What a lovely morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We're happy that you've chosen to spend part of your Sunday with us um, this busy holiday season. Uh, this is the first Sunday after Hanukkah, the last Sunday before Solstice, Yule, Maulid, Christmas, and Kwanzaa, short days, chilly days, chilly weather, and a warm place to come together. Today is our winter holiday intergenerational service. We have services like this about every seven months, when uh, seven weeks. Thank you. Uh, our children study particular subjects, um, concentrate on certain subjects for about six weeks, seven weeks, something like that. And when they finish that study period, we have an intergenerational service where the kids stay in the service for most of the time, and today is one of those. Um, the children will remain in the sanctuary for the entire service unless they're wee ones and the nursery is still open. Um, but they're uh, concluding their course of study on Jewish Christian heritage today and will be sharing with us some of the things that they've learned over the last few weeks. So here we have gathered um, that we might encourage one another along our spiritual journeys and paths. And so that we might, by coming together, have a better chance of really affecting change in a world that needs our love and all the care that we can give it. Um, whatever your age, race, origin, orientation, background, status, ability, if you care to worship with us, you're welcome here. And we ask that, all we ask of you is that you try with us to treat respectfully those with differing paths and opinions. This is our covenant and it's our challenge but that's what we promise to one another here visitors are welcome at everything we do and the things that are going on are listed in an insert in your orders of service so please look those over see if there's anything you might want to know about or can help with um, there's contact information if you want to know more about it if you'd like to know more about the church or this particular congregation, there's someone in the foyer, Ron, a tall, silver-haired man that's not Bob, uh, <laughs> uh, who, who is he's at the back door right now, um, is there to answer your questions and help point you places if you have questions about the facility. And uh, also there's some cards in the pews that you can fill out and put in the offering basket when it comes around a little bit later if you, if you would like someone from the staff to contact you or if you would like to be put on our mailing list um, for email, uh, newsletter, and stuff like that. Um, also, once a month we have a newcomer information session at following church, but we just did that recently, so it'll be a couple of weeks. And we will let you know about that as it gets closer. Um, our board president, Eric First, has some announcements, I believe. You have uh, in your order of service this morning this little handout. I wish this were old. I wish this were a mistake that I had put in the order of service from months ago. Unfortunately, 
The open burn of the M6 propellants, the explosives that we prevented at Camp Minden, that they're now building the incinerator to do it in a safer way, they literally have kicked it down the road to Colfax, Louisiana, where there is a company very ironically named Clean Harbors that, uh, yeah, yeah, um, that is currently open burning a large amount of some of the stuff from Minden, but also other um, and they have right now an exemption, I think, from a, what we're trying to get a blanket law passed against open burning. If you would, if you are so inclined, um, you have this little thing in your order of service, you can give it to us. Um, huh? I'm sorry, there, there should be in most of them. If not, see me afterward. Um, if you have any comments you'd like to fill in, it's asking for two things. It's asking to stop the burning, and it's also asking to extend the comment period, because supposedly the comment period is going to end at the end of the year, and it's right at the holidays, and this really just came to everyone's attention. So um, if you want to know more about it, there's a flyer out here, and I actually wrote at the top, no, this is not an old flyer, because again, you know, we, we'd like to think, ooh, wait, where did that come from? But um, I appreciate your attention to that. If you would like to participate, as I said, if you want to leave it with us, we'll see that it gets to the Department of Environmental Quality. If you'd rather take it with you, there's a place to put a stamp. You can just fold it, sign it, put your address, fold it, and send it. So either way is fine with us. Thank you. So now, There's a, we want to let you know there's a party following the service. There are all ages Christmas gathering. Um, and so if you can, please stay and celebrate the holiday season. Um, the list of which I gave you earlier. Um, and I hope that you can get together and have some uh, warm times in this chilly day. If you will, please now uh, put your electronic devices in worship mode so they don't disturb your neighbor with rumbling or, or buzzes or rings or tweets or songs or... And let us enter a spirit of worship. Og Mondino has said, I will love the light, for it shows me the way. Yet I will endure the darkness, for it shows me the stars. It is the season of light in a time of darkness, in which all of our celebrations stem from the ancient practice of lighting candles and fires in the darkness of winter. In hopes and in faith that the light and warmth of spring will one day return that the miracle of Hanukkah will remind us to keep the light of freedom burning, and that the light of the world embodied in the birth of a child might again and again be born in us. In celebration of the light, we are called to give, for it is in giving of tangible gifts, yes, but also of ourselves, of our time, of our energy and our simple presence, that we too might be the embodiment of the light. May I have my bearers of light and tradition, and also 
we will bring the pre-K and the second through fifth up here to help us with the chalice lighting. We had three new bolts trained yesterday. Um, Avery Bivens, Ian Soche, and also Cooper Gibson, who you already heard play the ukulele this morning. Our second through fifth grade class would like to share with you um, some of the ways that they are practicing the things that Jesus taught, some of the acts of kindness that they have done. And their teachers have been Jocelyn Lanham and Leanne Chambers. Um, we have been studying the Jewish and Christian heritage, this pillar, and we like to focus on the acts of kindness that were taught. Um, and this through this entire pillar, we pretty much focused on that the entire time. So the kids are going to tell you about acts of kindness that they have experienced. And um, Cooper, I'm going to have you get on the end. And that way I can talk for you and then you can come. No, you can still come this way. <laughs> if you'll, you'll stop. Okay. I helped my sister clean her room. Nice. <laughs> I played with a pre-K kid who was alone. Aww. My mom helped me when I was sick. I helped a friend find something that was lost. Ladies first. <laughs> and we're just going to share with you something that um, each one of these kids has done that we think is um, important and ways that they've shared act of kindness. Um, Cooper, he, he's already had a lot of focus on him during this service, so <laughs> we're just going to tell you what he did. Um, just recently, he did a pet food drive, like to, I forgot exactly which organization it was for. Laughing Dog Rescue. Laughing Dog Rescue, there you go. And with his help from um, his homeschool group, the church, and the Bossier Parish Historical Society, is that right? He was able to collect 150 pounds of food for stray animals, so <laughs> awesome, Cooper. Um, Ian here, he, um, he does a lot of really cool things, but I think this is really nice. When he's riding with his grandmother, Barbara, who's actually here with us today, he tells her jokes to keep her calm during traffic situations. <laughs> so I thought that was really nice. Um, Xavier, down here on the end, he always comes to class with a smile, and he always tries to spread it, too. He's never does he come without a smile, so... Um, <laughs> This is Gabby's first or first time with us, so she's never been, or she's, but she's never been in our class, so she's their cousin, so I don't want you to think I'm singling her out, and I just don't know much about her, but, but Gabby did volunteer to come up today, even though she hadn't been all, here all pillar and volunteered to do this today, so Yay. that's really nice. Yep, uh, Madeline, right here, she always, um, whenever she comes to class, she always looks out for other people. She wants to help them get their name tag. She wants to help us get things together. Um, if there's a snack going around, she makes sure everybody else gets fed before herself. So, And Lilith here, she is, <laughs> she's Xavier's uh, sister, and she always makes sure that everybody is happy. If anybody's down or not smiling or um, not having a great day, she always tries to sit with them and calm them and keep them happy. So um, I'll give it to Leanne now and she can tell you more about it. Thank you so much. Good job, kids.
I want to thank the kids for their presentation and also for all of the kind things they do all the time. And thank Jocelyn and Leanne again for their, their efforts. This pillar has been a really great class. We have a responsive reading, number 663. It's in the back of the gray hymnal. And I had a small moment of panic this morning when I realized I had not typed it out like I usually do in large print for me. And then I had a moment of grace when I realized I have new glasses and I can read from my hymnal. With mounds of greenery, the brightest ornaments, we bring high summer to our rooms, as if despite the somberness of winter come. In time of want, when life is boarding up against the next uncertain spring, we celebrate and give of what we have away. All creatures bend to rules, even the stars constrained. There is a blessed madness in the human need to go against the grain of cold and scarcity. We make a holiday, the rituals varied as the hopes of humanity. The reasons as obscure as ancient solar festivals, as clear as joy on one small face. Okay, so we also studied our Jewish Christian heritage, this, this pillar. And first, we're going to point out our gifts to the congregation and to the children of the community. Y'all want to go show you the ornaments we made last week? Over here. We made ornaments for our own trees. And then we made ornaments to decorate the mitten tree here and for the kids' gifts and down in the social hall. Many lots of glitter. We did lots of glitter on those. Thank you, kids, and thank you. This is Cherry Groves Musawi. She was one of their teachers, and the other teacher in that class was Megan Bennett. In gratitude for this place, where as a loving community we give our children the gift of giving to others, we will now allow you the joy of giving by gratefully receiving your gifts. This past week, I ran into a man I know. He's another one of the police pastors for Shreveport, a Baptist preacher who happens to have a radio talk show. When I saw him, he was preparing for his show that day, and he said he was trying to build his talk around an article he had read that was entitled The Little Drummer Boy. He asked what I thought of that. Well, I had not read the article, but I was familiar with a Christmas song called The Little Drummer Boy. And in the song, a little boy comes to visit this very special uh, newborn baby who is predicted to save the world. And the little boy wants to bring the baby a gift, but he feels he doesn't have anything that he can bring. Then he realizes that maybe he could share the gift of his talent. You see, he was a good drummer, and that's what the little boy does. He plays his drum for the baby as a gift. Um, so trying to reference that story and also um, P. 
pieces of the story of Jesus's birth that I knew, I told the man who asked my thoughts, well, the shepherds brought their praise because that's what they had to bring. And the wise men brought expensive gifts of gold and valuable herbs, which were from the tradition of honoring kings, because that's what they had to bring. I told this very devout Christian man that God, as I understand God, doesn't ask me to give a million dollars because I don't have a million dollars. I am asked only to give what is mine to give. I am called on to bring the best I have and offer that up to life. Sometimes we talk about giving our time, our talents, and our treasures to the church or to the community, and I think all of that is very important. But as the lives of Jesus and all the great leaders and teachers throughout the world and throughout history show us, the most precious gift anyone can give is a life well lived. A life lived with honor and integrity, with kindness, generosity, and all the wisdom we can gather along the way as we grow and change and learn the ways of peace, of understanding, justice, mercy, and forgiveness. At our best, at our human best, each generation and every generation and every person in it does something to elevate the human condition, to increase understanding, something no matter how small or how great, to lift up the, the world, the whole of life making choices about what to do with our thoughts, our time, making choices about our actions and activities, choosing to keep them rooted in genuine kindness will accomplish far more good in this world than we might dream. The most precious gift anyone can give is a life well lived. What can you do to make yours such a life? Our middle school and high school class would now like to share some of the gifts that our tradition has, has received from other traditions. So last week we looked at the origins of various traditions normally associated with Christmas, including the exchanging of gifts, the timing of the calendar, and the Christmas tree. In December, the pre-Christian Scandinavians celebrated the holiday of Yule by burning a giant log for 12 days. This led to the notion of the 12 days of Christmas. This, also, this is also where we get the tradition of the Yule log. Later, Christians celebrated the 12 days as the 12th night or the Epiphany, thought to be the time of the wise men visited Jesus. During the Dark Ages, some people would light an would put a lit oil lamp on their window for 12 days to signal their neighbors that they were worshiping the fr 
fertility god Jewel, which was the holiday named after which the holiday was named after over the centuries. This led to the tradition of people hanging Christmas lights over their houses. On Saturnalia, the Roman holiday, people reveled and gave gifts and used candles liberally. Saturnalia was a period where they celebrated birth of many gods, one of which was Mithra, the sun god. The early Catholic church, who wanted to transition the existing pagans toward Christianity, made the Son of God's birthday the same day as the birthday of the Sun God. The Christmas tree is a pagan tradition from Northern Europe. The trees were seen as gods in their tradition, and bringing a tree into the home and decorating them with ribbons and baubles was meant to present a God's blessing into their home. Santa Claus has his origins with Odin, the Norse father god, who during the night of the winter solstice would ride around in the sky bestowing people with blessings or curses for the new year. Odin eventually became known as Father Christmas in England, and later in the Christian tradition, he became Saint Nicholas. In each incarnation, he was known for judging people based on their behavior and either rewarding or punishing them. Some of the Christmas staples in America have their origins from Unitarians. In 1832, the Christmas tree was introduced by a German Unitarian Harvard professor at a house party. Another wrote the beloved song, Jingle Bells. And a well-known Unitarian, Charles Dickens, wrote the iconic story, A Christmas Carol, which, in its own way, saved Christmas by emphasizing the family and giving aspects of the holiday season. Christmas, like our congregation, is a patchwork of different beliefs and backgrounds that come together to make something special. And the teachers for that class were Noah Wagstaff, who is with the youth for the entire year, which makes me very happy. And also Noah is our minister's son, and he grew up in this church, so I have to add that. <laughs> of the three holiday traditions observed by most members of All Souls, Christmas, Hanukkah, and the winter solstice, or Yule, all include a tradition of giving gifts, and even as the TV ads try to impress upon us exactly how we need to be spending our money in order to buy the perfect gifts, in order to serve the perfect meal at the perfectly decorated table in the perfectly decorated house while dressed in our perfectly beautiful holiday outfits, we can resist. I know it's the wrong sci-fi reference for the season, but we do not have to be assimilated. We can resist by reaching outward, which all of you have done so generously for the children of community support, if you've seen the bikes and just the array of gifts down the hall, for the children who go to Maggie Lee's closet in need of warmth, which we assume at some point they will need the, before this season is over, um, for our guests at the Highland Blessing Dinner, for people seeking alternatives to payday lenders, and of course, in all of the time and talent and treasure that you give right here to this church. All of that is so important. It is in giving that we receive, says the prayer of St. Francis. But try to remember also that it is in receiving that you can give. 
Our tradition of spunky individualism in this faith often makes for people who will give willingly and generously, but who have a hard, hard time receiving. I can't tell you the number of people I've had to talk into getting a meal train, like actually negotiate. Okay, maybe two meals a week, would, you know, I, would that be okay? I mean, people that have been through some stuff. I think learning to receive can be particularly important if you're having a hard time with the holiday. Maybe you've suffered a loss. Maybe you're grieving or dealing with a serious illness. Maybe a divorce or the loss of a job. You can give yourself permission to say no to forced cheerfulness, to excessive spending, to too much doing. But consider the possibility that you might also need to give yourself permission to say yes, to accept an invitation to step out in a new direction, however unfamiliar and even scary that may be. My mother died in October of my freshman year of college when I was 16 years old. I was home from school for that week, and then went back until Thanksgiving, and again until Christmas. For Thanksgiving and Christmas, my dad and I just figured we'd be lost. My idea was just to ignore it as best we could, get in the house and duck until it all blew over. And yet, as it happened, we were invited to dinner by a large Greek family we'd known for several years, but who really hadn't been close friends. My dad had seen them out on a couple of occasions, and somehow from there they invited us for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We were so tempted to say no. Dad said it would be fine if I didn't want to go, we wouldn't go. And I told Dad it would be fine if he didn't want to go, we wouldn't go. But in the end, we went. And it was such a good decision. The food was exquisite. All the traditional Christmas fare along with these beautiful Greek dishes. The celebration was big and loud and funny and full of people and stories. Very, very different from the small, cozy Christmases that we had had. But if we had tried to stay home and recreate that without mom, there would have been only so much heartbreak down that road. Our friends and their extended family were wonderful to us. They knew our situation, and at one time or another, each one took time during the day to speak to us and express their sympathy but never in a way that made us feel like we were the downers of the day. These holidays where we took a chance on receiving, on accepting the gift that was offered, helped us to remember the possibility of joy. There was a wonderful moment when one of the aunts who didn't speak very good English said of the, the mother of the house who had made most of the dishes, it's so nice when Sophia makes something we can eat. And everyone was very quiet, and then Uncle Spiro said, and his name really is Uncle Spiro, he said, Tula, that sounded terrible. But just, just a wonderful, very hospitable family. And those holidays where we took a chance on receiving, on accepting the gift that was offered, helped us to remember the possibility of joy, a muted kind of joy, not completely real just yet, but something we realized could one day be ours again. So by all means, in the season of giving, give to those people and organizations for whom you have heart, but don't forget to let yourself receive, to ask for help if you need it, to ask this community for help if you need it, to remember the gift that you're receiving is for someone else. Remember that when you cannot see the light leading your way, those who want to give to you are showing you the stars.
Will you join us in um, the song Everywhere, Everywhere that was written by our minister, Barbara Gerald. It is in the pillar songbook, the little folder. Um, it's in the blue folder in the pew in front of you. And it's either going to be page 10 or page line and a half of a zero, depending on which printing you got. The benediction is from Howard Thurman. When the song of angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the brothers, to make music in the heart. Go in peace, but first stay in peace and join us at the party. Blessed be, and may the force be with you.